Welcome to the Hey Soul Sister podcast, where Mel Histon will guide you through life's big questions and bring you one step closer to doing this crazy journey as best you can. Hey Soul Sisters, guess who I've got with me today in this studio? It's Kaz Amos. Hey, Kazzy. Hi, how you going, Mel? <laughs> Kaz is a longtime Hey Soul Sister podcast special guest. Expert in all things to do with human relationships, got you back, sister counselor, all time fabulous soulful woman. And the tea just, has it takes one to know one, it does take one to know one. But thanks for that lovely intro. Oh, I love it, and I love having you back in the studio again. Thank you so much. Thanks. It's been a little bit between visits, but you know, life calls sometimes, absolutely. And so you're like yes. super busy now because you're back at uni doing a degree. I'm doing my honors in psychology, wow, and um, I'm feeling it. You're feeling it. Yeah. But that's okay. It's part of the pathway. So it is just keep doing it. Always. I've had that on my bucket list to go do a psychology degree. I don't know if I'll actually get there. I'm like. I I would not recommend it. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't recommend it at 49. I would not recommend it at this time of my life. Thank goodness you've only got all one year left. Ish. Ish. Yeah. It's more like two and a half. But that's okay. It's okay. I knew that when I started. Yeah. Just sometimes when you start big things, you just don't realize how big they are. And that's okay. I can do it. I can do hard things. Yeah. And you're going to get there. Yeah. I'll get there. Bit by bit. So, sisters, the reason why uh, Kazzy is here today, we're going to chew the fat a little bit because we were having a chat one day. I might have been at Got You Back, Sister, or somewhere. We were talking about mother-daughter relationships and how, I suppose, society, fairy tales, movies often paint a picture-perfect image of a mother-daughter relationship, but that's not always the case. And yeah. No, it's not. The fairy tale mum. Who comes to your mind with the fairy tale mum? Who do you think of? The Family Stone. Have you seen that movie? The yes. Family Stone. Yes. And Diane Keating is the mum. Yes. Her because in the movie she has five children and she just adores them. She loves them. She's protective of them. She has their back. And I remember watching that movie years and years and years ago. I think it was like 1994 or something and sobbing. Because really, I was like, she was the perfect mum. It's like the mum that you wished you'd grown up with. She was to like, a degree, like in its perfection. Yeah, I was like the perfect mum. I keep thinking of like Carol Brady. Yeah, <laughs> she had what three kids and the mixed bunch, and, and but she, she did have Alice. You know, Alice would always take the fall if anything was falling apart. But Carol was kind of still that nurturing mother even in amongst the chaos of all those children. And she always, like, calmly spat out her wisdoms. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I don't think I ever saw her lose it. No, no. But then you get the kind of full-on, yes, I've got your back, like the Sandra Bullock character in The Blind Side. Oh, where yeah. Where she is just going to take on the world for you and you will not get missed. Yeah. Yeah, no mama child bear. left behind. Yeah, yeah that's her. That's <laughs> Total her. Total mama bear. Yeah. Well, yeah. and then all of that really is in contrast to the monster mother, Norman Bates' mother in Psycho. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's a reason why she didn't make it to the end of the movie. Um, <laughs> and uh, as I was saying before about I, Tonya, just watched that movie over the weekend and I was mortified by the mother in that movie, lashing out. And at the same time, taking all the credit for Tonya Harding's skill. She is scary, that mother. She's one scary mother. She's one scary mother. <laughs> one scary mother for sure. I, I, I was flinching while I was watching because every now and again, she would lash out physically and then lash out verbally and absolutely 
cut that poor woman to shreds, even when she was tiny. Or when she came in with the hidden tape recorder to try and get her daughter to admit to something for the media. And the thing was, her daughter knew. Oh, spoiler alert. (laughs) that's okay it's been out for a few years now it's totally been been out for a few years yeah but so that idea of the perfect mother Mm. versus the monster mother so i guess when i was thinking about the complexity of the relationships of mothers mother daughters it's around maybe loosening the reins a little bit on being absolutely perfect carol brady or being absolutely horrendous like the full narcissistic mother that tonya harding's mum was in that story Absolutely. And probably one of the things that we were chatting about recently is the toxic mother-daughter relationship where mums are jealous of their daughters. Yeah. And the impact that that has. Yeah, like the competitive nature. Competitive mothers. Yeah. Yeah. So when I think about that, and I don't know if it's like this for you too, but I always wonder whether that mother had an unmet future that she never got to participate in, but she's done everything she can to make it okay for you or the daughter to access good education, to access career opportunities, even to learn how to love. Yeah. Yeah, I think sometimes that jealousy and that competitiveness comes in at that level. You know, you're having what I didn't have. I wish it was me, even though a mum might say that and not mean to be um, competitive. I think it can feel like that. It feels like it takes a little something away from you. Yeah. Maybe if you're wanting to celebrate something and say, hey, mum, I did this. And I don't know, what do you want to hear? Yeah. I'm so proud of you. Or even I want to have a birthday party and have my friends over. Yes. Yeah. And being made to feel that's not okay or it's not allowed. Not allowed. Having something taken away from you that's yeah. precious. Yeah. By somebody who's in control. Yeah. So through your counselling business, mm. is that something that you see commonly through people that may come to you? Yes, yeah. absolutely. And I think because it comes back to the, the mother-child relationship very on is one of those relationships that forms how we attach, how we are in relationships with adults. That sort of work is done when we're babies. And it's done from the time where uh, conceived and most of the work is done in that first uh, like that attachment is done in those first 1000 days they they talk about in in psychology yeah, okay i yeah. didn't know that first 1000 days yeah and even less than that is those early early attachments in the first couple of months in those first three months are super important to how you learn to be in relationships as you get older really mm. even that young even that young totally that young because the brain is going through such extraordinary growth and development in that time. I mean, that baby's brain is brand new. Yeah. It's still, all the neurons are just starting to mend together. And if that baby is, for instance, for someone coming into the counselling space, if that baby is in a traumatic environment where maybe there's violence or arguing or there's a lack of security, then that attachment is going to be affected. I didn't realise that it starts that young. We're little baby sponges. We're absorbing everything around us from that early period of time. Isn't that funny? Because I think we kind of think, oh, they're just little kids or they're just babies and they they don't really know or understand what's going on, but they do on some level. Yes, they absolutely do. And there's quite fascinating stories of ways that 
babies intuitively move towards the people who care for them and intuitively move away from those who they don't feel safe with. There's a whole theories around attachment style which are created in those early years where we are uh, either securely attached, we have an ambivalent anxious attachment and that comes from the different style of parenting that our that our primary carer delivers. So say that again, ambivalent. Anxious, ambivalent. So what's that? So that is the type of relationship where you might lean in and then lean back from because it's scary. It's loving and then it's awful. An instance where a child might go to a mum, maybe they've been lost in the supermarket, they find their mum again and they're like, mum, and she's like, hey, come here. Now don't ever leave me again, you know, and gets very angry with this child who is trying to find security and safety and doesn't find it in the person that they trust and love the most. I have severe mother guilt right now. Oh. <laughs> I'm sitting here that running through my head going, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I know, isn't it hard to not? So keep that in perspective yeah. with 80% of the time parenting, 70, 80% of the time parenting good is enough to make up for the 20, 30 that we just don't get right. Let's get soulful on social media. Search the Sister Code Facebook page and follow us on Instagram. I guess there's a difference between new mums, older mums who genuinely are trying to do the right thing, but like that 10% of the time they might slip not I don't want to say slip out that's the wrong word but be um, human yeah be human yeah be human human. because we're not perfect that's right but that's very different to kind of a mum who much more often is potentially like we're talking about maybe jealous or malevolent is that common I think in people who are already experiencing relationship difficulties that's one of those places where it shows up and I also believe I guess when we're doing our work as adults and we're uncovering the things in our past that so you mean like the inner work yeah our inner inner work work. yeah yeah from my personal experience I feel like um, in my younger years in my early 20s and mid-20s I did a lot of work around my relationship with my father our listeners can't see my hands but I feel like I'm opening a book up only (laughs) halfway like a pop-up book and so when I started to do the work with my relationship with my mother it was like I opened up the whole book and saw the whole pop-up picture in front of me and I'm like oh okay so now I've got more learning to do about myself it's not about me learning about my mum necessarily yeah she's that's her job but it's about me learning about me so that I can actually have a life that I enjoy but that mother daughter the complex nature of it can get right in the way of that joy absolutely and of being a good mother ourselves yeah, absolutely. It's the whole intergenerational intergenerational role modelling. Yep, unbeknownst to you, and I guess this also happens with people coming into counselling, is that they don't know the family secrets. They don't know the stories of mum's stories because they've never had the closeness to share them. Or mum is unaware of her own baggage that she brings to being a mother. And that gets in the way. I'm going to throw this out there because it just popped in my head. I was thinking about Bad Mums too. Have you seen that? Yes. <laughs> and Kiki's mum? Yes. Kiki's mum who's like, you're my best friend. But you're my best friend, Kiki. Oh. Kiki and her husband are trying to have sex in the middle of the night and like the mum is sitting in the corner of the room like, good for you, you can get an erection again. 
<laughs> it just makes you cringe, doesn't it? Like, yeah. But you're talking about mums being besties. Yeah. Yeah. It's dysfunctional. Yeah. Well, that's body and blanket statement across everybody who's got a mum as a bestie. That isn't absolutely true. I think there can be an overstepping of boundaries in that instance. Yeah. Because that's what makes it so funny. Yeah. There is no boundary. Yeah. There's nothing keeping her out of that space. But she gets a haircut the same like a daughter, wearing the same clothes as a daughter. Yeah. Kiki, but you're my best friend, Kiki. <laughs> Can that actually be a little bit toxic, you know, um, relying, mums relying on daughters to be the best friend role? Absolutely it can, yeah. Because when do you get to be yourself? The daughter. When does the daughter get to be herself? When does the daughter get to be herself? And when does the mother get to be herself? When she's not even prepared to look at herself and go, oh, who am I? Because mums being besties, you want to stay younger. You want to feel younger. And you do that sometimes by being around young people. Yeah. But- is it functional and is it okay? Again, that's a little bit of a boundaries conversation for, for mother and daughter. Yeah. Which another movie just popped in my head. <laughs> mean Girls. When Katie oh. Poehler, uh, sorry, Amy Poehler plays Rachel McAdams' mom. Yep. Remember that she's like in the pink velour jump. She's like, I'm the cool mom. <laughs> We all want to be the cool mum, but we don't really want hey to girls, have to get our velour trackies on. It's like three in the afternoon. Yeah, but I'm the cool mum. <laughs> you know what? That's, again, what makes it really funny is because, really, is that the kind of mum we really want to be? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. no. Well, we want to be the cool mum. I, I don't – I mean, I've got young people in my house. My youngest is 16, and mm. I want our house to be a place where everyone can come and feel comfortable. yeah. If that means I'm cool, I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> totally. We all we all want to think we're the cool mum to some degree. Yeah, that's right. I'm that's not right. sure any of my kids think I'm the cool mum at all. Oh, you I'll know what? My mum was the cool mum because my mum had me when she was 16. So when I was in high school, she's 28. And I would go to school and everyone's like, oh, is that your sister? Mum's getting around in skinny jeans. I'm like, oh, no, that's my mother. So my mum uh, had me when she was 16 and people would be like, actually not my friends, but like the butcher would go, are you two sisters? And I'd be cringing inside. <laughs> mum would be beaming like, oh, they think we're sisters. And I'm like, you're not my sister. You're my mother. Stop that's it. it. <laughs> and, and isn't that kind of like what we're talking about, that little bit of competitiveness of, no, she's not my sister. She's my mum. Yeah. <laughs> and she started young. And I might be 16, but she's 32. <laughs> Which, when you're six, but when you're 16, 32 seems so old. When you're 32, you're like, I'm still I'm amazing. I'm still young and hip. But when you're 16, it's like 32 is so old. I know. But did you two, did you find as well that you grew up together? I know with my mum... We kind of did our first jobs and our first resumes around the same time, which was when I was, you know, in in year 10 or year 11. And so we've had this kind of growing up next to one another. And and we even do a similar line of work, which at times we have a bit of a colleague's relationship as opposed to a mother-daughter relationship. Yeah. I think there's always room in that to have a conversation about, well, maybe we can just be mother and daughter today and not talk about work. Yeah. And that would be okay. Want to fill your soul with more? Go to thesisterco.com. So when does maybe the healthy mother-daughter relationship start to go to a bit potentially unhealthy Mm. for some people to then maybe toxic? That's a really good question because it's like asking where's the line in the sand. Yeah. 
How long is a piece of string? Yeah. Is that the same thing or not? Well, do you know what? I think when they, when I, even the line in the sand, I use that imagery in a way to talk about boundaries. And I think when your boundary gets, gets stepped over and nothing gets said, that's the very first time. Yeah. And then that, when there's nothing there for that other person to go, oh, that's as far as I can go to. Uh, because we don't have the conversation, which I mean, how frequent that happens frequently in life that we feel as if our boundary has been overstepped, but we don't say anything. That's the beginning of someone else being in your space. And you're like, yeah, I'm not entirely okay with this, but I don't know how to address it. Yeah, I don't. And sometimes I don't know how to address it because I don't want to offend or upset. I don't know how it's going to land. So I just don't say it. Yeah. Until it happens again. And then that happens again and the boundary gets further and further in and encroaches more and more. And then your mum's just like Kiki's mum in the corner right. of the room. And she has the same haircut and she's cheering you on. <laughs> <laughs> and you both in velour tracksuit pants. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So at what point do you find that people may come to you um, for help or, or counselling or help or advice around that? Usually when it's too late not too late. It's, it's already coming undone. And I think that's probably my, my greatest concern in, in the line of work is that we leave things too late before we address them. Like we get to the point where that person has overstepped our boundaries so much and so frequently and often that we're angry. We're yeah. just angry and we're resentful and we get quite bitter. Yeah. And we don't want to be like that with that, like with our mother. Yeah. Because of all the expectation that goes around it, like it's a massive societal expectation that every day looks like Mother's Day. Like, yeah. That's horseshit. That's just not real. And Mother's Day looks like a fairy tale. And yeah, that's right. And chrysanth- chrysanthemums smell bad. <laughs> that's enough. No one needs to give a mother chrysanthemums ever again. They smell bad. We all know that. Yeah. But, you know, to come back to that um, that when it comes up in therapy, it's usually when it's really wearing you down yeah and you don't really have the words for it anymore because you'll either cry or you'll lose it and you don't want to do either of those things so the therapeutic process around that is about how do I softly and kindly manage myself so that I can very tenderly step into creating a boundary and do you find that there are particular techniques or tools or things that people can use or women can use if if they need to manage that relationship with their mum that maybe may have become toxic yeah or, un- or unhealthy or toxic yeah so um i think the toxic nature of it comes from trauma yeah and um in psychology, we talk about big trauma with a capital T, little trauma, little T, and all the traumas have feeling and they leave a marker or a trace on the person. Yeah. So sometimes in a therapeutic setting, something can come up, a memory, a story that you were not ready for that was quite traumatic, but in the moment you didn't understand it or weren't paying that kind of attention to it properly because you're a kid, you know? So sorting out those traumas mean that if you're going to look for somebody to help you out with that, look for somebody who has a trauma-informed practice so that that they're mindful of handling people and working with people who are coming through traumatic memories and stories so that you're in good care. Yeah. Because that's part of what's missing in the mother-daughter toxic relationship is care. Yeah. There's a lack of care. 
There's a lack of nurture. To be honest, that's what mothers are supposed to do. Like we are the home of hugs and nurture and softness. Like Dr. Phil would say, a soft place to fall. A soft place, yeah, that's really beautiful. Yeah. And and we want to be that. I suppose verbally direct, like um, berating our children and criticising them does not bring beautiful humans into the world. It It brings bitter and angry and sad people around. Yeah. So mental health is hugely affected by the relationships that we have with our, our mothers and our fathers, but specifically in this case, our mothers. Yeah. Depression, anxiety, they come from all those things that are toxic in relationships. Yeah. I have a dear friend. He will remain anonymous, but I have seen her really suffer over the last few years with a mum that was quite abusive growing up, but she desperately just wanted her mum around with with whatever that looked like as a mm. as a girl and as a teenager. And then now mum will punish her by refusing to wish her a happy birthday or um, not include her and family get-togethers. Or if there is a family get-together in the broader family, she will totally ignore her daughter. Mm-hmm. and actually engage other family members in a gossip session about her daughter. And I kind of find that absolutely appalling and, and so sad for my friend. And she has really, really struggled with that, you know, and questioned herself and almost wavers between begging her mum to actually going, well, stuff you, I don't need you anyway. And it just kind of flounders around mm-hmm. in all these different emotional states. And it actually, at the end of the day, doesn't matter. Her mum wields this power over her and it's like she pulls these little strings. And I think my friend now is at the point of going, yep, she's had different therapy and stuff around that. Mm. Because you're right, she can't manage her mum or she can manage herself. Yeah. And actually getting to that point where there's nothing she can really do and she has to, I guess reach a level of acceptance and go, okay, well, this is my life and my mother is never going to be that mother that I want them to be. Isn't that a sad letting go? It's a really, you know what, it is a really really sad letting go Mm. and we talk about it every now and then. She, I think she reaches a point, she's like, she just needs to to talk about it and I feel so sad for her because, And I get angry. I, I mean, I've obviously never said anything to her mum, but I get angry at her mum because I'm like, how could you do that to your daughter? That is your daughter. Yeah. All, she wants, all she wants is for you to love her. That's all she wants. And instead, this is constant game playing and manipulation and then trying to turn other family members against her. And you go, why? Why? Because I would just say that's what the mother knows. Yeah. And it's not to make excuses, but rather to say, that's yours. And um, we are not, and I, I really want to make this clear because even when I was thinking about what we were going to talk about today, the one thing that just really stood out to me is that we are not responsible for our mother's well-being or mental health or choices. We are not. Yeah, We're just not. And it's okay to let ourselves be completely off the hook for that Yeah, because we're talking about an adult woman, got another adult woman who she has an opportunity to love, but maybe she doesn't know how to herself. So that's up to her to work out. Mm -hmm. And 
we can't be responsible for our mothers, but we can be responsible for our mothering. Yep. And some of that we do for ourselves, like we nurture ourselves. How do we become our own soft place to fall? Yeah. How do we let go of something super, super hard or make set a boundary in place? I have read Glennon Doyle's book, Untamed, and just recently in one of her podcast episodes, she talks about the visualising herself as an island, and on that island she has a drawbridge, and she puts the drawbridge down for whoever is welcome to come to her island. The rules are you're only allowed to come with love. I love that. And so the story she tells is when she said it was easier to tell the whole world via Instagram that she was in love with a woman and she was going to marry a woman. And it was easier to tell the world than it was to tell her mum and dad. So in telling her mum and dad, her mum kept arriving with, you know, in conversations, I'm worried about this, I'm scared about that. What are people going to say? And, and how are you going to deal with this? And how are you? And she ended up saying to her mother, you have to stay on the other side of the drawbridge. You can't come to the island with your fear because it's your fear that's interrupting our love here. And there are crocodiles around the island, so don't even try and swim over. <laughs> so, but, but for me, I, that, that analogy is really quite powerful yeah. because we don't have to have everybody on the island. Yeah. We can just choose who we want to. And make for a really, really great place to be. And it doesn't, not that we don't want to invite our mothers. We'd love to invite them. But do we want to invite their fear? And I think she was able to in that story. She says, I I told her, you can't come with your fear. When you go and deal with your fear, you're welcome to come onto my island. And she said she went and she worked on it because she wanted to be in her daughter's life. That is beautiful. Isn't that something? It is beautiful. Yeah. Because it takes a lot to look within and actually go, maybe it's me. Oh, and what am I going to do about it? Yeah. That's, yeah. Doing, that's doing the inner work. That is the hard, and that is hard. You know, that is, that's vulnerability. And I think just when you think you've been vulnerable, get a little deeper. Yeah. <laughs> and that was from personal experience, not just from clients who are willing to, um, to be vulnerable in in those yeah. spaces but yeah and i suppose on a positive note those relationships can be healed but it has to be with doing the inner work yes yep the end and it takes baby steps it's not a big leap so take that pressure off yourself you know make it the baby step you know i and i've had this conversation with my mom well, you don't call me. And she says, well, I don't want to call you because you're too busy and I don't want to interrupt anything. And I go, well, it feels like you don't want to talk to me at all. And she said, well, I don't want you to think that. And I said, well, just call me for 10 minutes. And something that I've decided to do is actually do that. Just call and say, I've got 10 minutes. I just want to check in. How, how's things? How's your week? How's your day? Yeah. And, and instead of waiting for her to come to my party, I'm doing my step. So yeah. then I can feel okay with myself. I love that. I wanna, you know, I don't want to lose or have anything get between us. That doesn't have to. Most of us only get one. Only yeah. get one, mum. But I also want to teach my kids how to hmm. be connected to me as well. Yeah. As mothers, we're the meat in that sandwich, aren't we? The, when we've got a mum and we're mumming. Yeah. Yeah, we want to be able to do both of them as best we can, I guess. 
Oh, my friend, you're so wise <laughs> and soulful. Oh, thank you, soul sister. I love it. So how can people, Kaz, if they wanted to maybe reach out to you, maybe somebody needs some advice or maybe a session with you about working on their own mother-daughter relationship, how can they find you? Easy peasy, kazamos.com.au or Facebook, you'll see Kaz Amos Counselling on there. That's me. And just send a message. Yeah. It's easy. Call. Thank you so much. I, I, you know what? Every time you come on Hey Soul Sister, I always get people reach out to go how much they've enjoyed the episode and what they've learned. And it's actually given them either some peace or a call to action. Well, you and I get to have conversations from the heart, I think. Yeah. And then everyone gets to hear them. So, <laughs> so I don't know who's the luckiest here. Yeah. Although I didn't yeah. talk about my vagina in this episode, so that's probably a good thing. She didn't leave it out, though. Thank you so much, Kaz. No, thank you. Thanks for listening to Hey Soul Sister with Mel Histon. What would help you on your crazy life journey? Email melissa at thesistercode.com.